The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know what you guys all want to know. Is Dan finally feeling better? And the answer is a little bit. I think for the first time in about six days, I can confidently say that I am almost out of this thing, which is good because we roll right into a weekend and then I'm hoping, praying for the good, good God. I mean, this is ridiculous that by Monday I feel back to completely normal. But I think I think I sound closer to normal if a little bit nasal. I don't know, man. I critique the sound of my own voice. It echoes in my head. I You get used to a particular sound, and then when it goes away, it, everything just seems wrong. I am Dan Vesperis. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball, hoop-ball.com, at hoopballfantasy, and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company presentation. They are at H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. Or just search for them, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee on Amazon. You can get that stuff sent prime directly to your doorstep. It is Friday, and a couple of things on the docket for today. Actually, I have what I think is kind of a fun idea for today's podcast. It'll be a little bit of a new thing that we'll be trying, but not by much, just a tweak on an old favorite. And so we'll get into that in a moment. Um, Intermittently here, I think last year we did it every other week. Every other week or so, we'll be talking to Aaron Bruski on Friday's When we do that, it will be a live show also available on YouTube. So you'll be able to watch that show and interact with us, ask us questions, have some fun. Uh, That'll be with Brew. We'll probably do our first one of those a week from today, whatever day that is. Is that November 1st? Did I get that right? Yeah, November 1st, a week from today. So we'll have a live show on YouTube with Brew. That obviously gets ported, and you can listen to it here through the traditional podcast channels. But if you'd like to join us live and ask questions... Uh, We'll make sure to tweet out all those links. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Again, or you can just Google or Bing or whatever search you're using. Uh, Or as we mostly do now, just type it into the search bar, Dan from Hoopball, and that will pop right up. So give me a follow on Twitter. We're having a lot of fun now. Tweet storms are in effect. I've officially done three tweet storms. We also have our what to watch for. We have betting stuff. That's all done on social media as we sort of continue the discussion from these podcasts. I would strongly recommend you go and check that out, and we can chat over there if you have fantasy questions as well. In terms of what's coming up on today's program, this is a solo pod, so you're stuck with me the whole way through, which is, I know, a bit of a letdown for you guys. But we'll go over the three games from Thursday. I want to talk about the biggest situations that developed this week, including pickups, drops, holds, and watch list guys from the first, uh, now it'll be three days of basketball games. Marvin Bagley broke his finger and he's out for a month and a half. DeAndre Ayton peed too much and he's out for two months probably. Obviously there's more to the story than that and we'll get into it in a, a brief moment. And then what I thought would be kind of fun is in the past... We've taken sort of a quick look at Friday on our Friday shows, but we we often take so many questions on the live show that it sort of precludes us from getting into anything else. What I'd like to do today, because we're not running live and because I am going solo, is take a look at Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now, we have the betting lines for Friday's games, 
We do not have those for Saturday and Sunday, so we'll only do the betting stuff uh, via social media. I'll do that from my Twitter account. Uh, But I do want to do kind of the homework assignment thing for the entire weekend. What are we watching for each individual day? And then obviously we'll do the what to watch for stuff on Twitter as well. So I thought that would be kind of a fun tweak on our usual thing. We're just taking a little bit of a farther look ahead so that we don't miss anything that happens a little bit later on on the weekend. So let's dive right in. First things first, Thursday. Just three games. Not a whole lot happened from a fantasy perspective on Thursday night. So that should keep this relatively simple. Uh, The team that I was watching the closest was Atlanta. And we really, we learned more negative impact things than we did positive impact things with the Hawks. Number one, this is Trey Young and John Collins' team. My, My hope was that we might have seen someone else do anything at all in that basketball game, and they really didn't. Trey Young was outstanding, particularly monstrous first half, uh, but did have six turnovers, which obviously that's going to be the rub with him. He's not going to score 38 and go for six, three, seven boards every night. The nine assists do seem pretty replicatable on a night-to-night basis. The one steal is probably about what you should look for with him. But when you wipe out the great field goal percent from night one, the points, the threes from night one, you dial those back by you know, 10 to 12 points or more, and three three-pointers, if you push that in with six turnovers, that's a, that's a tough line to handle in nine-cat. Still good, but not as great as last night. Now, if you're an eight-cat or you're punting turnovers, this was a brilliant first performance. And what I think you might want to consider doing is look at your format, okay, because everything that we do is based somewhat on the settings that you choose, Look at your format and decide, what am I trying to achieve here? Because even in 9-cat, it was a top 10 line last night, despite the six turnovers. If you're punting turnovers, Trey Young could actually be a first-round guy this year. If you are not punting turnovers, he's probably going to be more like a third-round guy this year. But game one isn't really indicative of that. So what I would say is, go look at your league. If you really are going to be incorporating turnovers into your strategy, which I think in Roto you should at least a little bit, head-to-head, meh, you know, every week it's mostly going to be whoever has the most games played is going to lose turnovers, unless it's relatively close. And what I would say is look at some of the guys that were drafted inside the top 14. Which of those guys has an edge on Trey in turnovers? And see if you could maybe flip it for one of those dudes that underachieved like uh I don't know Jimmy Butler missed his first game that'd be an interesting lob a lot of the other other guys were actually really really good like Damian Lillard would be a name that pops into my head but he had a fantastic first game so that's probably not going to do you much good uh LeBron James was terrible but again that's a turnover situation so you probably wipe him out Bradley Beal was not very good that's an interesting one that might be the name here Throw a Trey Young for Bradley Beal offer out there and see if somebody bites in 9-cat. In 8-cat, they're probably going to be relatively close. You're not going to get Kyrie because his game was even bigger than Trey Young's. I'm just looking at some of these guys that went off the board right at the outset. Uh, Kawhi Leonard in 9-cat is probably going to be right in that same neck of the woods. I would probably consider going his direction. Drew Holiday, I actually thought he was going off the board too early this year, if that was the next name you were going to bring up. So it's really Beal is probably the guy. And maybe Jimmy Butler. 
If you have Trey Young and you are not punting turnovers in nine cat, maybe go try to get move up four or five slots or whatever it is. Six, seven, eight, ten slots. This is how you do these buy low and sell highs. And I totally get it if you're listening, you're like, I don't have the patience for that nonsense. I completely understand that because it's a ton of work and it's really hard to trade a guy away after he has a monster of a basketball game. But this is an 82-game slog, and in Roto, you want the guy that's going to finish higher at the end of the year. And I would still put most of my stones that Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler finish in front of Trey Young in 9-cat. They aren't right now, and that's what makes it a hard trade to pull off for the team that has Trey. But these are things you need to consider. You have this incredible window right now, small sample size window, to try to turn your guys into dudes that are just a tiny bit better all the way across the board. This is a heavy lift, I know. You want to see what your guys are going to do. But we sort of have an idea. This is why we drafted them the way we did. So see if you can step up. See if you can add a round of value to maybe two of your guys. That's all it would take, and it'd be worth it. Elsewhere on Atlanta, you just didn't get much. DeAndre Bembry is a guy that's always struggled with percentages. He's great on the defensive side, so I don't trust that. DeAndre Hunter played 25 minutes. He's a guy that we've sort of had teetering on the brink. Kevin Herter picked up 5,014 minutes. Uh, he's a guy I think you hold on to if you had him. I'm not that high on his fantasy game yet. Maybe he comes around this year. Last season, there were some pretty glaring holes in it. But that's not what this was. This was him recovering from a knee injury. So we're not going to put that... What's the line from uh, Ricky Bobby? We're not going to put that evil on Kevin Herter right now. If you have him on your team, you hold him. If he's a free agent, I think you could probably just keep watching him because I doubt someone else is going to pick him up after this particular ballgame. And those are sort of your two scenarios. You're not dropping him. Wait until he looks healthy because it looks like he could play his way into a role on this team. They really need some third guy. Also, Alex Len, who we really almost didn't talk about the entire offseason. He is the starting center on this team, but he's also not good at basketball. And so I just, I can't wrap my head around the idea that he's going to be a fantasy-relevant player this year. I don't think he's going to see enough minutes. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. Maybe he gets dropped after this ball game. Uh, he's another guy, I think if you have him, you probably hold him for one more game, a game where he's not going to have to deal with Andre Drummond and see if he can do a little bit more. If you don't have him, if he's on the waiver wire, I think you could also put him, and we'll talk about this as kind of the homework assignment, uh, you kind of keep an eye on him because maybe his next game is better and we know what is this going to be, what is this going to look like when they play a team that doesn't have Andre Drummond. And then Jabari Parker, he's just going to take a whole bunch of shots in limited minutes off the bench. So that's a, a different format altogether. Detroit side, they went back to back. So we do have a pretty good amount of information about them now. Uh, Luke Kennard, he runs hot and cold. This is what I said on yesterday's podcast. He's not going to score 30 every game. He's going to hit you some threes. Uh, and it's going to, this is probably more like what you're going to see on a night to night basis. Derek Rose, sixth man of the year candidate, man. This is what we were talking about with Neil on one of our betting episodes a few weeks ago. Well, that was last week, actually, wasn't it? And then Andre Drummond is just incredible. He's, he's made, what is it now, like 13 out of 16 free throws to start the year? I don't know that that's going to hold. I don't think it's going to hold. But if he actually even gets from, you know, what was he at, 58 59% last year, if he even improves free throw up to like 63 or 64%, he could actually be a first-round guy all year. He could end up being a big steal in the second round of fantasy drafts. And that's a good thing because... 
He was one of the guys we sort of sold out for on this show, and I, I have to admit, I was nervous that maybe something was missing something, but so far he looks like a great grab. Bucks are a fairly straightforward team. Uh, Giannis was in foul trouble, but you wouldn't know it by his final line. So was Eric Bledsoe. You would know it by his fin- final line. He only played 16 minutes in this game. He'll be a lot better, and that's an incredible buy-low opportunity for Eric Bledsoe. This might be his worst game of the year. Might be his lowest minute total of the entire year also, unless he gets hurt in the second quarter of some game coming up. He's going to play close to 30 minutes a night. Probably around 30. 28, 29, 30, something like that. It's a really good team, so they don't want to overextend their guys. But he's the he is the third man on this team. He's going to do a lot. Uh, Brooke Lopez looked great. Five blocks and three-pointer in his first game. Chris Middleton can't shoot still. I'm really glad I didn't take any Chris Middletons in drafts. I was hoping he would fall into the 60s, and it just didn't happen. Because that's where he was last year. I think he's ripe for a little bounce back, but to me, he strikes me as more, you know, a guy that's going to hover in the 40s or 50s. He just, there, he has no room to operate. This is Giannis, and then he's just sort of around him, which is weird. I thought it was strange that he re-signed so quickly. I know winning is fun, but this is a, this is a difficult transition for his game. It's easier for a guy like Bledsoe, who's more of a slasher. He can get it and go in addition to shooting the three-pointer. So this is an interesting point to sort of stop and assess once again. Eric Bledsoe is a brilliant buy-low guy right now. You could probably have him. Let's see. Bledsoe was likely drafted in the 40s in your league, 50s at the absolute latest. And we know who he is. He's going to settle around top 40, maybe a little bit better if we're lucky. If things break his way, look at some of the guys that were drafted, say, 75 to 90 in your league. And I don't know your league. You know it better than I do. So uh, maybe that's not an exact number. But let's go to the end of the sixth round. See, Bledsoe went in towards the end of the fourth in a lot of fantasy drafts, mid to late 40s. Let's look at guys that were drafted in the mid to late 60s to early 70s who might have had a really big first game. Um, Gordon Hayward comes to mind. Who else is on that list that's floating around in that neck of the woods? Uh, Maybe not the best cross-section of names. Uh, Karis LeVert is a little bit later in a lot of leagues. He's on that list. Uh, Ricky Rubio had a really big first game. He's floating around on that list. There are other names, I'm sure, if I went through an entire draft result of guys that went in that neck of the woods. I don't know that I'd go too much earlier because I think you could have him on somewhat the cheap right now. So if you have those guys or someone similar, maybe you could even go a little bit later and look for a guy who really popped off like a Freddie Van Fleet or something along those lines. Look for a guy in your team that was drafted, let's put it this way, after 65. And you have a pretty good idea where they're going to be. After 65 and a guy that probably isn't a top 50 upside guy, maybe more like a top 60, top 70, that's what you were gunning for, throw that dude out there for Eric Bledsoe after game one. I'll tell you right now, there are a lot of people that believe Freddie Van Fleet is now going to be a second-round pick. He's not. He had a great first game. He's going to be solid all year, but he's not going to be a top 25 guy. 50, outside chance. 60, probably-ish. 70, possibly, yeah. I mean... With Eric Bledsoe, we know. 40. He's aiming for top 40. So take one of your guys that's looking more like a top 50, 60 guy and flip him for Eric Bledsoe. 
These are these little incremental jumps I'm talking about. Look at your team right now. Pause the podcast. Look at all of your different teams and see if any of the names make sense as a guy you drafted after 65 who's off to a rip-roaring start and you could maybe flip him. I think Rubio is a really interesting example of that. He's a name that I've got on a couple of spots. Check your team out. I'm doing it right now, actually, while we talk to see if I can find some examples on my own team. I have Eric Bledsoe in a couple of places, which makes it a lot harder to trade for him. (laughs) By the way, I don't know that I would do it with Kelly Oubre because I know he was drafted after 65, but I do think he could finish inside the top 50. So you're probably not making quite the gains there as someone else that maybe has more of a uh, 75-60 kind of range. But look at your team. See how they're looking. I don't think you're going to be able to get him for someone you drafted a lot later than that. Like, say, you know, Torian Prince, monster of a first game. You're not going to get Eric Bledsoe for Torian Prince. You're going to have to go a little farther up the board. This is what I'm talking about, though. Same thing with Trey Young. Use that asset. Try to increase, try to power up by a round or two. Someone on your team. On the Houston side, uh, Daniel House played 26 minutes. That was sort of the only thing that I thought was interesting. They really, uh, the bench, as usual, didn't play much outside of Eric Gordon. Daniel House could be in that kind of P.J. Tucker, Danny Green, Marvin Williams mold, where if he gets to around 30 minutes a game, he could be fantasy relevant because he only needs to take like seven or eight shots to do it. He'll hit a couple threes. He'll probably get you one to two steals, maybe a block if he's lucky. So call a half to point six blocks. Kind of a round out your bench nine cat kind of guy. Clippers Warriors was a blowout. Uh, Ivica Zubats did bounce back, but only 18 minutes. So I know a lot of people are like, Dan, you, you totally biffed it on the last one. And yeah, he did have a better ball game this time. So I'll give credit where credit's due. He played a lot better here in game two. Here's what you're looking at, though. 18 minutes despite playing extremely well. This is a high watermark for Zubats. If you have him, try to unload him immediately because he's not going to average 16 and 10 with two blocks. He's just not. You can't in 18 minutes a game. There is no one on your team, I'm betting, that you're expecting to play 18 minutes a game and you are holding in a 12-team league. There's just no one. Montrez Harrell played less because it was a blowout. Normally, he would get an extra four or five minutes and that would come at the expense of Zubats. This is a sell-high moment. And it might be your only one for a while. Anyway, the Clippers shot 63% in this game, and they just beat the snot out of the Warriors. Which, by the way, as a Laker fan, I'm actually somewhat encouraged by this because the Clippers went on the road and just dismantled an okay but not great Warriors team. Totally shut down Steph Curry. Totally shut down D'Angelo Russell. Draymond Green left for a while with a bone contusion or an elbow contusion, and then he came back and, you know, things just weren't working right. Uh, Kevon Looney left with a sore hamstring, which leaves them with Marquise Chris and Omari Spellman at center. I don't know what the hamstring thing is going to be. I was terribly afraid of the centers on this team. I do think that Looney is the guy you'd want to have. Let's wait and find out how long he's going to be out. So you're not dropping there. Don't drop Kevon Looney just until we learn more about the injury. Uh, Clippers side, you know, we were on Mo Harkless' watch, and as I said after uh, on our Wednesday show, I was worried that he wouldn't get 30 minutes a game because he's in a fight for those forward minutes with Jamichael Green, 
Patrick Patterson. It's a three-man gang. They're all fighting for the same minutes. And in this one, Tupat had 20 points on six three-pointers, and so Mo Harkless didn't get to do much. And Jamichael Green only played 16 minutes in this game. So it's going to bounce around a little bit. Uh, I don't know that you can trust any of those guys right now. Harkless obviously has the best upside of the three, but Harkless watch continues. And this is why the limited sample size thing is extremely relevant. So that's what happened on Thursday. And I took longer to get through it than I expected. So who knows how much we're actually going to get through on today's podcast. Wanted to remind everybody once again that the Game Time Premium package is available at hoop-ball.com. Click on the Premium tab at the top and select Buy Game Time Premium. You can also preview it. You can hit the Preview Game Time Premium button, and that'll take you to some of the articles what, that you'd be able to click into if you had access. This is the landing page for Game Time Premium. If you have it, you get the layup line. You get our nightly video Q&As with our analysts, pickup of the night, the weekly lineup show with Brewski involved, the waiver wire show, dynasty ranking, schedule grid, streaming chart, depth chart, start, sit, tools, rest of season projections, 8-cat, 9-cat totals and per games, league leaders in 9-cat, 8-cat per game and totals. It is a fantastic resource that will help you keep your team on top because the B-150 already probably got you a pretty sweet lineup coming out of draft season. Check it out and use promo code DOC, D-O-C, to save 350 when you get game time premium at hoop-ball.com. Again, follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. I like to throw that in a few times during the shows. Hey, by the way, I, I haven't bothered you guys a ton for ratings and reviews, so I'm going to stop and do that right now. Really tried hard to shorten the openings. I know you guys hate it when I'd go too long at the beginning. Really trying to take feedback uh, with the podcast. I, it means the world to me if you, if you just shoot me a note on Twitter on that side. Uh, and then if you like the what we're doing here and if you like the, the upgrades we've done and if you like the fact that I've, I'm really working hard to try to make things as perfect as possible for you guys, drop a five-star review on the show. It would mean the world to me. Open up the podcast app on your mobile device. If you have an Apple one, I suppose, is really the way to go. Uh, rate it, review it on anything. But Apple's the one that obviously drives the market the most here. Open the podcast app on your mobile device. Okay, waiting. Is that open now? Fantastic. Go to the search function. There's a search button down in the bottom right corner. Type in Fantasy NBA, and by the time you get to Fantasy NBA, our show should actually pop up as the first result. You can type in Fantasy NBA today if you want to be certain. Click on that result, and it should actually uh, then do the search for you. And then what you want to do, this is the really important part. Don't click on an episode of the show down in the middle of your page. You want to click on the show title, the main header, which should be sort of kind of top left, right under the search bar. It'll be our big logo. And then on the next page, the show page, scroll down to the bottom, and that's where the ratings and reviews feature are. So please do drop a five-star review on the show. I'll love you forever. If you tweet at me and tell you you did it, I'll quote retweet you and blow you an emoji kiss on Twitter uh, or whatever it is. I don't care. I'll do almost anything on Twitter that's not too disgusting. Uh, <laughs> thank you for, for dropping that five-star review. And if you want to write something, I would appreciate that as well. Next thing on the docket is I want to look through the weekend here. Uh, or, excuse me, that's not the next thing on the docket. That's the third thing on the docket. The next thing is, is I want to go through uh, the big news. Marvin Bagley and DeAndre Ayton probably should have done this first. Marvin Bagley out for a month and a half or more with a broken finger. 
how does this change things in Sacramento? Well, we don't know specifically, but our job, of course, is to make our best guess. The Kings play tonight. They host the Portland Trailblazers in their home opener. Without Bagley, it obviously does change things significantly. And by the way, they were terrible in their opener in, against the Phoenix Suns on the road. Even in a blowout, Bagley played 28 minutes, which, by the way, in massive indictment of Luke Walton already. De'Aaron Fox banged his knee, I think. Buddy Heald turned an ankle, and Marvin Bagley broke his thumb in a game that they were losing by 30 points. Brutal decision-making. I mean, I, Luke's on the hot seat after one damn game. Bagley played 28 minutes in that one. That was the second most on the team to old man Harrison Barnes, who's actually not that old, and that's a lie. It was third most to Barnes and Buddy Heald. In a normal contest, a competitive ball game, he likely would have played another three or four minutes. So we're talking about 30, conservatively, minutes that are now going to get redistributed among other power forwards and centers on this team. Because Bagley did play some of his minutes at center, and he saw people yelling about this on Twitter. Rashawn Holmes played all of his minutes at center. 17 and a half of them in that first game, as did Dwayne Dedman, who only played 14 minutes in the opener. But that still left 17 center minutes unaccounted for. Those mostly went to Marvin Bagley. Caleb Swanigan played a couple in uh, massive garbage time. This is opening up probably about 15 to 20 center minutes per ball game. Let's just say those get split between Dedman and Holmes. Because we don't know what's going on with uh, Giles, if he's going to play, if he's healthy, if he is, how much he's going to actually do. If Rashawn Holmes even gets another seven minutes, he's a top 100 fantasy guy. If Dwayne Dedman gets another eight to nine minutes, he's a top 100 fantasy guy, or better. This Marvin Bagley injury has created a month-and-a-half-long pocket where the centers in Sacramento suddenly, besides Bagley, look like they could actually get on the radar. Am I racing out to go grab any of these guys? I'm kind of sitting on it a little bit. Dwayne Dedman is likely owned in your league. People probably dropped him after his 14-minute opener, and frankly, I wouldn't blame you because if without this injury, he probably wasn't going to play more than about 20 to 22 minutes a game, and that's bordering on value. 24, 25, 26 is where he needs to get to be good. Rashawn Holmes, 17 minutes, that was probably his target, I was thinking. Well, all of a sudden, now both of these guys could have fantasy value. So let's watch this game, and I'll talk about that for homework assignments. I want to watch this Sacramento game extremely closely. I don't think that you have to make any preemptive moves, but hopefully you didn't drop Dwayne Dedman. And with Bagley, you have to hope you have an IL spot because you probably can't, you can't drop him. You know, a month and a half, your team is going to have to just handle that. Meanwhile, on the opposite side, in that same game on Wednesday, DeAndre Ayton busted for taking a diuretic, which is, uh, most of you probably know this, diuretic is something that makes you pee more often. And it's often used, this is the part that maybe we all didn't know, it's often used by athletes to flush steroids and HGH out of their system, performance-enhancing stuff. So we don't have all of the details on the DeAndre Ayton thing. Uh, you know, maybe there's some other reason. I saw someone talking about the fact that People with um, inflammatory bowel disease actually use diuretics sometimes. Uh, presumably, they would have some kind of doctor's note or league doctor's note or something. I don't think that that's the case with DeAndre Aiden. I don't know if they're going to appeal it or what. Regardless, he's set to miss some time 
the initial number was 25 games, and I don't know if the appeal might change that in any way. This is a huge blow. With Bagley, you're losing probably a sixth or seventh round guy you drafted. I don't care what his actual final numbers are going to be. This is I'm talking about where you took these guys. DeAndre Ayton was drafted at the end of the second round in most leagues. So you're about to get nailed with almost two months. You know, 25 games is, is almost two months. Two months is about, what, 28 games? So he's gone basically until the new year, minus a couple games. This is, cru- this is brutal. Because there also isn't a very obvious one beneficiary. Kind of the same thing. That's the modern NBA. You know, they're just, there isn't really the, the trademark handcuff the way there was 10 years ago in the NBA. When one guy goes down, the whole, like this positionless thing, it's almost like a blob just oozes out to fill in the void. We said it on the Sacramento side. It's going to be Deadman. It's going to be Holmes. It's going to be more for Bielitsa, who's going to start. We didn't even mention his name. Hopefully he doesn't play too many more minutes, but he'll see a couple extra. It's going to be Giles if he comes back and plays. I don't know that Barnes can play anymore. And then on the Phoenix side, it's kind of the same story. Dario Saric is going to pick up additional minutes at center. They're going to go small. No one can tell me otherwise. That's the modern NBA. Frank Kaminsky is going to probably pick up a few, and Aaron Baines is going to pick up a few. Frankly, I wouldn't be surprised to see Aaron Baines get the start at center His 10 minutes from the opener, maybe that becomes more like 18 to 20. Let's say he gets 10 of DeAndre Ayton's 34 minutes he played at center in that first game. There's a ton, a ton of available playing time. You could give 10 minutes to each of those three guys. Number one, and maybe check Diallo sees another four or five minutes. I don't know. Uh, Dario Saric, if he goes from 21 minutes to 31 minutes, he becomes a must-start guy. Frank Kaminsky going from 19 minutes to 29 minutes seems a bit unlikely, but he would probably become a pickup in that situation. He is instead on my watch list right now. Aaron Baines, he's a long way from fantasy value. Same with Czech Diallo. So those guys are staying on my waiver wire. I think the key here is that Dario Saric should definitely be on fantasy teams. Where he was, in my estimation, a guy that could very quickly end up on the chopping block if he didn't ramp his minutes up from 21 to a higher number quickly. That number is going to go up to probably 30. They almost don't have a choice. Phoenix is in trouble for these two months because they don't have a center that can actually run and jump and score. DeAndre Ayton could do all three of those things. Now they have to choose. So, you know, Sharich can score. Baines can rebound. Kaminsky can... I don't know. None of these guys can jump. <laughs> this is not an athletic bunch they've got to back up DeAndre Aiden. So uh, probably wishing they had brought back Rashawn Holmes. Then we really would have picked him up. So, yeah, I don't think you're racing out to pick anybody up. Dario Saric is probably owned in your league if you're in a mildly competitive one. If he's not, you probably should. That's the, the name on that chart. Now we want to look at the biggest stories of the week. Really plotting my way through this podcast. I <laughs> I really should have written down the order that I wanted to talk about things. I wrote down all the things I wanted to talk about, but I didn't write down what order I wanted to talk about them in. So I broke down what's happened over the course of the week. 
into four categories, pickups, drops, holds, and watch list guys. And I think we can go through this pretty quickly because we've talked about all of these names so far this week, but I wanted to put it into one big Friday capsule. For those of you that are listening to this show and maybe missed a couple this week, this one's going to be sitting out there ready to be listened to all weekend long. So I thought it was kind of a good time to sort of recap. It's a recap. Pickups, drops, holds, watch list. You guys probably are most interested in pickups, so we'll start with that one. The two, mm, bordering on three or four or even five most important pickups are buried in this list. I made this list going through the games chronologically, so it's not in the order that I think you guys need to race out and grab these guys. But here are the pickups. OG Ananobi, if he wasn't already. Danny Green, if he wasn't already. I think he probably was. P.J. Washington, Dwayne Bacon, Tristan Thompson. Those guys probably weren't on a fantasy team. Uh, Washington was for me, but I, I know his number is more like 20% on Yahoo before his big game. Derek Rose, probably on a lot of teams, but should be owned. He's got a wide open window, especially with Blake Griffin out, and they're going to want him to score anyway. Isaiah Thomas deserves a spot on a team because we just saw how bad the Wizards are. Alfred Payton, especially with the report that he's likely going to own the starting job in New York for a while. Marcus Morris, because the Knicks need scoring. Will Barton, who looked more like himself in the Nuggets' first game. And Wesley Matthews, who falls into that category with a guy like Danny Green and a guy like OG. The names that I think are most important on this list are Washington, Bacon, believe it or not, Tristan Thompson, Alfred Payton, and Marcus Morris. I shudder as I say Tristan Thompson out loud, but as you guys may have noticed, and as we stopped and sort of bugged our eyes out of our head, he played 33 minutes, the second most on the Cavs in their opener to only Kevin Love. So they seem intent on getting him out there. If he's playing 30 minutes, he's a walking double-double. He's a fantastic sort of 2B center on your team. He shouldn't be your number two center, but he should be your third at the very worst if he's playing 30 minutes. He's going to rebound like a behemoth. He could average 11 rebounds a game in that amount of time. Especially if they play a team that's going to run a little faster. Orlando's not a fast-moving team. I know, boggles the mind, doesn't it? Uh, in terms of what I think the expectations are for these guys, because a lot of you are going to be like, well, who should I drop for these dudes? I'll, I'll try my best to lay it out for you now. I think OGN and Nobi profiles as a Danny Green, Wes Matthews style, you know, between 90 and 115 kind of guy. So he's not a uh, drop an upside guy for. He's a drop a guy who's just not really playing for. PJ Washington, that's probably more of a you're gunning for maybe top 80. Dwayne Bacon, probably around 90. So just a hair better than the other guys there because we haven't seen the well-roundedness yet. Tristan Thompson is in that same range. Uh, Derek Rose, I think, could actually get to top 75 depending on how things shake out. His percentages have been very good because he doesn't take shots he doesn't like. His free throw shooting is very good. And he's their orchestrator in the second unit, and right now he's basically their only orchestrator because there's no Blake Griffin. So the assists are actually a little bit better right now. Isaiah Thomas, he's a wild card, man. I have no idea. If his field goal percent is as terrible as it was when he tried to play through his various stuff with the Lakers, he could be a huge... I mean, he could be a number 300 guy, but he could also pull it together and be a top you know, 50, 60 guy. So he's a wild card. I don't know that we're going to put a tag on him. Alfred Baden, you're hoping for top 75, top 80. Marcus Morris... Uh, same range. Will Barton, you're actually shooting for a little bit higher. 
He probably has the best upside of anybody on this list. And then uh, we already mentioned Wes Matthews. Here are the guys that I think even after one game, we know you can drop them in nine cat. Uh, Reggie Jackson, who's looked hurt and looks worse, frankly, than Derrick Rose. I don't think his minutes are going to be there this year, and he's not good even when they are. Jordan Clarkson looks like he's getting shoved out in Cleveland a little bit. He only played 18 minutes in their opener. I think he'll play more than that most nights, maybe more like 24. But Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are chewing up a lot of the minutes at shooting guard uh, and point guard, which is where Clarkson was able to sort of wedge his way in last year because it was Sexton. But then, you know, we saw Brandon Knight playing a bunch last year. But if Garland's going to play 31 minutes, that's going to make it tough for Clarkson. He wasn't a great nine-cat guy anyway, but the low minutes put him on the outs looking in. Ish Smith is another guy on my list. Uh, he's owned in more places than I expected, and I don't think that he should be. Uh, he's like 25% owned because he's a starting point guard for an NBA team, but he only played 24 minutes in their opener. Isaiah Thomas is going to take more minutes when he comes back, and he just didn't do anything with his minutes anyway. He's a low upside guy, and he's not playing enough to matter. And here's a guy I've got on my very close to chopping block, the biggest name on that list, DeAndre Jordan. He's owned in 77% of Yahoo leagues, and he only played 16 minutes in their opener. Which I know is because he can't move much, but Jaron Allen played 36 minutes in the opener. He wasn't very good. Missed, missed all four of his free throws. Yuck. Uh, did block five shots, though. Right? And this was Carl Anthony Towns. So he was chasing around one of the best big men in the entire NBA, and he was out there. So I'm inclined to say that if this happens again, DeAndre Jordan could probably be one of your first relevant cuts of the fantasy season. Let's preach some patience here. Here's the guys that you should hold on your team who you probably, or someone in your league probably has, where the ownership is relatively high, and they didn't have a very good game, but I do think you have to give them more leash. Derek Favors is a hold. JaVale McGee is a hold. Tomas Sadoransky who had a horrible game, is an absolute hold. Marcus Gasol played 31 minutes, guys. He's a hold. Serge Ibaka, Terrence Ross, who didn't see the minutes, but that was also a beating. TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb did not play well for Indiana in their opener. They are both holds. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is going to do more for Brooklyn in future games. He just he got outplayed in this one, so you know Kyrie had 50. They, they didn't give any real wiggle room for the bench, but I would hold him a little bit longer, certainly a longer leash than DeAndre Jordan. Davis Bertans played 28 minutes for Washington. I know he wasn't very good, but he deserves a hold as he settles in and acclimates and takes a couple extra shots. If he's taking 10, 11 shots a game, he could give you two and change three-pointers, and then you just hope that a few rebounds and maybe a defensive stat falls into his lap as well. Those of you that are picking up guys like OG Ananobi and Wesley Matthews and stuff like that. You might as well just stick with Bertans because he's like that, but can do a little bit more from the perimeter. Uh, DeLon Wright is a hold for now. I know his minutes weren't great in the opener, but he started, and he's just such a well-rounded player. He's only a few minutes away from being fantasy relevant. I'm going to give Derek White a little bit longer. Don't he, he, I mean, he's a guy that will move over towards the chopping block pretty quick, but his upside is so big that I've got to think he squeezes in some playing time eventually. I know he's not a floor spacer like Bryn Forbes, who's, by the way, on the watch list, but I can't cut Derek White after one game where he just didn't play that many minutes. Jeremy Grant, I'm going to give a little bit more leash to as well. Uh, Kent Bazemore, who actually had five steals, so I don't even know why I put him on this list. And then Zach Collins, 
people were asking me about dropping Zach Collins, who I, you know I'm not that high on because I, I'm not sure that this Whiteside Collins blend in the front court is going to work long term. But he played 30 minutes, so if you've got him, don't part with him now. Eight points, five boards, two blocks. I mean, he was a three pointer away from you get from saying, "Hey, that was a pretty good ball game." That was really all it would have taken. In terms of these various holds, I'm sure that the follow-up question is, well, how long do I hold them? And I'll try to give my best guesses here for how long I would hold these guys if I had any of them or all of them on my team. Derek Favors, uh, I'm basically holding indefinitely. I think he's actually going to be good this year. JaVale McGee, multiple weeks. He's on the weeks hold list. Sadoransky, weeks. Gasol, weeks. Ibaka, weeks. Ross, weeks. Warren, Lamb, Weeks. Dinwiddie is more days than weeks. He's kind of hovering in between. I'd probably give him one, maybe one to two weeks, as opposed to, you know, where Favors, Gasol, Ibaka, Ross, Warren, Lamb. Those guys probably have a month before I... So it's multiple weeks. Davis Bertans, he's more days than weeks. Delon Wright, uh, he's in that Spencer Dinwiddie grouping of more like one to two weeks. Derek White, same thing, one to two. Jeremy Grant, on the low side, closer to one. And then Bazemore and Collins, um, I don't I don't think they should even be on the the potential cut list. So I'm not even gonna give it time for those guys. Here are the guys that I have on my watch list after the first three days of basketball, and I'll just rattle them off real quick. Josh Hart, Mo Harkless, Kobe White, Thaddeus Young. Had to stop on that one for a sec. Devontae Graham, Darius Garland, Markel Fultz, Luke Kennard, Tyus Jones, Kendrick Nunn. Travion Graham, Bryn Forbes, Royce O'Neal, and Daniel House. A lot of weird names on the list, I know. The reason they're on my watch list is that I feel like Game 1 could have been a bit of an aberration for all of these guys. I don't know, Josh Hart's playing close to 30 minutes every game. We already saw Mo Harkless kind of fade back in Game 2. Kobe White outplayed the other point guards for Chicago in Game 1, but what if Tomas Sadoransky looks more comfortable in Game 2? What if Chris Dunn looks better in game two. Does White just fade? Thad Young, I didn't like how many minutes. I know he used them effectively, but he needs more minutes. We, we know it's the old man Marvin cut line where these guys need 28 to 32 minutes, my old men. Devontae Graham had a really nice first game. That one, if, you know, if he does that one more time, I'll throw him on a fantasy team because he looked, frankly, better than Terry Rozier in game one. Darius Garland, he probably deserves a spot. We just don't know a ton about his game yet. Markel Fultz is on my watch list. Kennard, we know what he is, and I'm not that excited by him because uh, it's mostly scoring and threes. Tyus Jones, he looked really good for Memphis, but I'd love to see him get more minutes. Kendrick Nunn, we don't know what happens with him when Jimmy Butler comes back. Travion Graham looked like he was settled in with the Minnesota Timberwolves, so uh, keep one eye on that dude. He played 30-plus minutes. It was an overtime game, admittedly, so that's one reason for reticence. Bryn Forbes. Is he really going to be a 30-minute shooting guard on the San Antonio Spurs this year? Because if so, he'll rack up some threes, man, because the rest of that team can't shoot a lick. Royce O'Neal looked locked into 30 minutes with Utah, so that's something to watch. But if Boyan Bogdanovich is fully healthy, does that dent it? Maybe. And then Daniel House, who we already talked about. He kind of falls into that, like, Wes Matthews 3-and-D type guy. Uh, I would rather have House than Matthews if we can guarantee that Daniel is going to play enough minutes because he could do more in the rebounding and blocks departments, and I'm betting he'll shoot a better percentage because Matthews pretty much doesn't do anything besides shoot three-pointers, 
which are easy to come by, and you don't want a guy that's going to blow up your percentages. Last thing I want to do on this Friday show, which is taking longer than I had anticipated, and that's okay because we got a lot of things to cover, is assign some homework. Let's look at the weekend. We'll start with Friday. We can look at these games, talk about what we're watching for. Uh, and then also the betting lines for Friday, because we have those out. We can do a little on-air handicapping. Uh, I want to remind you guys, by the way, the recruiting call continues, but it does change a bit. We are mostly full up on the fantasy writing side. If you'd like to get on the wait list, please do hit me up. I mean, this is obviously still the best time to do it, um, but you'll probably be waiting for somebody to either move to a different spot or move out. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. There's no reason to wait, because if you get on the wait list now, you'll still be farther up on it than if you got on it later. Still, I don't want you guys writing in thinking that we have uh, fantasy contributor spots open. We do have fantasy podcast contributor spots open, so hit me up at Dan Vespers if you're interested in doing that. But the big piece of the puzzle that I wanted to bring up on today's show, and I've mentioned it a little bit in passing on previous episodes of this program, is we are... Recruiting for journalistic folks out there. It's a little bit of a different feel. We know we have these team coverage angles happening, and mostly right now uh, it's on the podcast side. We are definitely recruiting for team coverage podcasts, but we are also kind of officially now putting our foot on the gas pedal, recruiting for team coverage on the writing side. If you're somebody that's looking to break into the NBA industry, not just fantasy, the actual NBA industry from a journalistic standpoint, basically covering a team like a beat writer and working your way up towards actually being at an arena covering a team, this is a pretty amazing chance because Aaron Bruski brings a lot of clout with him. Remember, he covered the Sacramento Kings for a while before pivoting more uh, or harder into the fantasy side. So he has connections in the industry. This is a great way to sort of learn how to do that like Brew did and become a journalist. So let us know. Uh, this is, I mean, it's going to take some work, but we will help mold it. You just have to be willing to contribute uh, a lot of time and energy into it. You can get in touch with us in a couple ways. One, you can tweet at me at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter, or you can send an email to teamhoopball at gmail.com. No hyphens, just Team Hoopball, all one word, at gmail.com. So check that out. Shoot us a note. Tonight, Friday night, I guess I should announce that because you guys might be listening over the weekend. Toronto is in Boston. Celtics are favored by two and a half in that ball game. Uh, Ennis Cantor is out for a couple. <laughs> Ennis Cantor is set to miss a little bit of time, so uh, you're probably going to see a little bit more from the Time Lord. I don't know that I would... I mean, if you're streaming, that's fine. You can race out and go do whatever, but, you know, don't make any massive adjustments. It's a knee contusion. Uh, I think the expectation is that he'll be back within a week or so. And then on Toronto's side, how does Fred Van Fleet back up game one? We're going to be watching OG and obviously the center minutes as well. Minnesota, we have a pretty good idea, but Travian Graham is on our watch list. Charlotte, uh, let's see if guys like P.J. Washington, Dwayne Bacon can follow up. Devontae Graham is another guy. I mean, this is this Hornets team is definitely on your homework assignment list because guys are going to be on and off of people's rosters depending on hot and cold games. We're going to assess them with a little more patience and a little more diligence. The New York Knicks are in Brooklyn 
the battle for New York. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, the bench for the Brooklyn Nets is what I'm keeping an eye on on that side. Uh, on the Knicks side, you know, I still I, no Mitchell Robinson, most likely, in this ballgame. I believe he's uh, doubtful is the ruling right now. So there, I guess there's a, pro- a chance. Uh, Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris, how does the front court shake itself out again? And then is Alfred Payton really going to be the starting point guard? I think he should be on rosters in case he's completely locked up that role. Because if he if he does, then he's that guy that people were at times foolishly overdrafting in the past, but certainly has upside, and so he should be owned in all leagues. And he is in almost all of mine. He's on waivers in one. Someone I think had dropped him early on, and, and he hasn't cleared it yet. But he's only 31% owned across the Yahoo board, but he should be owned in your league on the chance he can keep it going. The upside is high enough. Dallas, we obviously want to know what goes on with DeLon Wright. Uh, I don't think Dwight Powell's playing in this ballgame. New Orleans, the minutes, man. We got to see the minutes with this team. Derek Favors, Josh Hart, Lonzo, J.J. Redick. Basically, anybody that wasn't Brandon Ingram or Drew Holiday was sort of in a weird in-between in minutes played. So this one may be on our homework list as well. I'm trying not to do too many games that start at the same time so you can actually watch bits and pieces of these things. So Charlotte is on the list. Dallas, New Orleans is on the list. Chicago, Memphis, um, I'm okay with the box score on these, just seeing how, you know, when guys are on the floor. I'd love it if you could watch it, but I understand there's sometimes there's too many. Washington is in Oklahoma City. This is not on our, uh, not on our list, but obviously we're going to have to find out if anybody else can do anything for Washington. Phoenix, absolutely on the list. So is Sacramento in the next ballgame. Phoenix is in Denver. Portland is in Sacramento. These are super important games because we want to know exactly what's going to happen with DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley out. So absolutely positively, we need to know what's going on with those two teams. For Denver, is it really going to be all about the starters again? Can Jeremy Grant push his way in? Uh, Is Will Barton, old Will Barton now? Will the thrill? Is the show back? Uh, Portland, I think we have a pretty good idea of what's going on there. Hassan Whiteside was fantastic in the opener. How long can he make his free throws? And then Utah is in L.A. to try to ruin the Lakers' day again. I think the Lakers lose this game outright, but they are three-and-a-half-point favorites, which is weird. Uh, weird. I don't know that there's anything else we need to pay attention to. Lakers are going to have centers on the floor, by the way, because Rudy Gobert is going to be out there, and they definitely don't want Anthony Davis banging with him. If they're trying to preserve Anthony Davis's body, this is a game where he where they got to keep him at power forward. Uh, Mike Conley, he was a buy low guy. Mentioned, I think we mentioned him a couple days ago. Um, so if you want to float, you could get him on the real cheap right now. People are going to assume he's just going to do nothing this season. Utah's good, man. They're going to be real good. This is a uh, this is a screwy line in my estimation. From a betting standpoint, and we'll circle back to that. I want to look at Saturday and Sunday first, just for a couple other games. Miami is in Milwaukee. If Jimmy Butler is back, I want you guys watching that Miami game to see how they look at. Uh, normal strength. Philly in Detroit, don't need to pay a whole lot of attention to that. We have a pretty good idea what's going on. Orlando, Atlanta, uh, yes, absolutely. Let's pay attention to Atlanta and see what happens when Trey Young doesn't score almost 40 points by himself. Boston is in New York. We've already talked about each of those two teams. They're going back-to-back. Indy at Cleveland. Cleveland is an interesting one. Uh, with Beeline at the helm now, it seems like they want to play guys enough to maybe have some fantasy value, so I'll be watching them pretty closely. Toronto, Chicago, not on the homework list for Saturday. New Orleans, Houston, nope. Washington, San Antonio, 
yeah, I mean, I want to know what's going on with that Spurs backcourt, but I don't know that you need to watch it to find out. Sacramento, Utah, and the Clippers are in Phoenix, so we've already talked about uh, most of those teams with what we want to do with them. On Sunday, uh, Warriors are in Oklahoma City. This would be an interesting bounce-back spot for the Warriors. Not a huge fantasy-relevant situation there. Brooklyn, Memphis, Portland, Dallas, Miami, Minnesota, and Charlotte Lakers. So those are all uh, teams that we've talked about already. From a betting standpoint, dialing now back to Friday, where we actually have the lines for tonight, Boston favored by 2.5, hosting the Toronto Raptors. Um, I I don't have a particularly strong lean in this ballgame. Minnesota by 5.5. They are at Charlotte, who actually played pretty well in their opener. Um, Probably even this one alone. Brooklyn by 8. New Orleans is favored by 2 over the Dallas Mavericks. This one, uh, that's a weird one, man. I I actually do have an ever-so-slight lean to the New Orleans side. Chicago by two on the road at Memphis. Oklahoma City by eight, hosting the Washington Wizards. Denver by 12 over the Phoenix Suns. Portland by two and a half in Sacramento. I like the Kings, actually, even without Marvin Bagley. I like the Kings a lot in that ballgame. Utah is in Los Angeles. Lakers favored by three and a half. I I don't, I mean, that one feels super weird, uh, but I, I, I almost feel like I'm being tricked, but I absolutely adore the Jazz because I think the Lakers are having some growing pains. I think they're going to be a really, really good team, but they're having some growing pains. Kings and Jazz are absolutely the two things that I'm looking at on today's card right now from a sports betting standpoint. That will about do it. Um, Obviously, if you guys are going to bet on any of these games with us, do it at mybookie.ag. Open up your account today now that we've actually got games going on. And use the promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. They will match your first deposit. It's time, man. Let's do this. Let's do it together. Uh, I'm going to cruise on over there after I finish recording this podcast and get my bets in as well. Uh, But I'll obviously talk about all of this on Twitter following up, just so you guys know what I ultimately end up doing. Once again, check out the HoopBall Game Time Premium. Hoop-Ball.com promo code is DOC. We want to get you guys involved on that. Our next premium show will actually be Sunday. That'll be Ethan Noroff, the great Ethan Noroff, and the great Eric Ong with the Waiver Wire Show. Stellar, man. That's a stellar show. Uh, those two guys going through all the biggest stories of the week. They talk about fab budgets. They talk about how to stack your team. And then Monday, Brewski, Brandon, and myself will be doing the weekly lineup show. So that's coming up in just a couple of days. You got time to get premium before that pops out. Get the layup line. That'll have a breakdown on what we end up betting today as well. In addition to DFS information, uh, advanced stats on all the matchups of the day. I just I can't stress enough how key this premium membership is to getting you guys through your fantasy season. Again, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Baspers, for any of these questions, recruiting, whatever. Uh, if you forgot the promo codes, uh, all reasons you can bug me. I really don't mind. I'm around. I'm near my computer often more than I should be. It hurts my eyes, but I love talking to you guys, so hit me up. This is Fantasy NBA Today, another week gone by. NBA is now in full swing, everybody. Hope you guys are having fun so far. I am. I'll talk to you Monday. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.